and welcome to New Horizon, the Mind and Body Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Keisha Ross, and we have an awesome show for you today with a wonderful special guest, Dr. Cheryl Watkins. So before we get into it, I'd just like to give a little bit about Dr. Watkins' background, and then we can take it from there. Dr. Watkins is a physician by training with a MBA from Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University. She currently serves as YWCA Metro St. Louis president and CEO. Dr. Watkins has developed successful and impactful strategies that have improved organizations' overall market positioning. So part of what we will talk about today is her vast experience coupled with her dedication and passion to serving women as a true asset to empowering YWCA to grow and reach great heights of achievement. Welcome, Dr. Watkins. How are you doing today? I am doing well, Keisha. Thank you so much for the invitation to join your podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate your being here. And this is such an important topic. So we've d- discussed diversity, like in terms of different traumatic type of experiences on the show, racial trauma, childhood trauma. So today we're specifically going to talk about intimate partner violence uh, mm-hmm. or IPV for short, also known as domestic violence. People hear domestic violence a lot, but intimate partner violence is more so like what scientists, researchers talk about in terms of as they do studies. So we'll particularly talk about it today as it relates to women. Uh, but with that, I would like to mention and note that we do know that men are also victims of intimate yes. partner violence. However, today our guest expertise is particularly related to working with women. So I don't want our men to feel left out. We'll definitely have another show where we can focus on on that a, a bit too. Absolutely. So part of just giving a little bit of background and stats, part of why this show is important is the World Health Organization talks about a growing population-based survey that looks at, at IPV happening among women. So among women who had ever been in an intimate partnership, 13 to 61% reported having experienced some type of physical violence by a partner, varied levels of, of violence. There also was report of experiencing several physical violence by a partner. So it could be physical violence. It also could be sexual violence. It could be emotional and verbal abuse as well. So what is, it's important for us to understand that this is something that is happening in our country, it's happening globally. We speak sometimes more specifically to the U.S., but that's going to be a big part of what we talk about today. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Watkins, start us off with defining intimate partner violence for us, sometimes also referred to as domestic violence. Well, I think you you talked about it in the stats. It's anything from emotional uh, abuse to physical uh, abuse as well, uh, leading into death for a lot of for a lot of, uh, especially women. So it, it can be something as simple as someone demeaning a woman, mm-hmm. uh, in that relationship. Um, and emotional abuse, as you know, can, can span the gamut yes. from, from verbal to with, to withdrawal to a lot of different aspects of it. But when it starts to get, uh, violent, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's where people pay, uh, uh, I think um a lot of attention to it because that can lead and it has certainly shown in the evidence of the statistics that this can lead to that woman's death. Yeah, and and part of what thank you for that definition. Part of what I I really want listeners to understand too because sometimes people don't understand the level of danger in terms mm-hmm. of like exiting a a violent relationship safely, you know, family, friends, people might say, oh, well, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just get out? But we understand that statistically that puts someone at risk if there isn't a very specific plan in place, a structure yes. and a support system to to exit that relationship. So my next question would be, what are some of the unique challenges faced by women leaving abusive relationships. Again, you're answering the question. <laughs> um and and it and it is you know it's it's not overly simplified but someone planning to leave uh can be 
faced with the alternative of how am I going to support myself? You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of women stay in abusive relationships because they don't have the financial wherewithal to be economically um, sustainable for for them and if they have children. Mm -hmm. So uh, many times it might be, you know, not just for that woman, but their their children. How Mm -hmm. am I going to, you know, if I leave this household, especially if I don't have a job, if I don't believe that I have skills, um, then I need to stay here because at least I'm getting fed and I have a roof over my head. Um, and that's one of the things when, um, with our program. So the YWCA, uh, Metro St. Louis, we are the largest provider in the region of domestic violence, sexual assault. Yes. So we have not only, as I tell people, you know, we are, um, we have a 24, 24 hour, seven day a week hotline mm-hmm. that women can call. Um, if they're thinking about leaving, um, uh, and we have folks that answer that hotline. We have um, uh, licensed therapists that uh, work with women. Uh, and especially if they are assaulted and they wind up in a hospital, we are usually their first line of contact. We um, we are a partner with uh, hospitals in our region where we show up and we're the first line of contact for that woman. So if they need clothes, mm-hmm. if they need whatever. Yes. We normally can't provide that. And for women who are fleeing domestic um, situations, we have one of the largest um, HUD contracts in the city. So we can rapidly relocate that woman and get them out of harm's way. Um, so, you know, it's, it is having somebody that you can potentially call that can potentially walk you through what that process is like and having a, having an outside partner to walk you through. And what's sad is that, um, you know, with the decision now with Roe v. Wade and um, women who, you know, are being forced to bear children that they don't yeah. want, um, and that's the highest point of a woman dying is in a situation where she's pregnant and yes. in a, and in a uh, relationship that is a domestic violence relationship. And and that may be a shocking factor for some of the listeners. I mean, when you do the work and it's your expertise area, you yes. know that. But can you speak to it a little bit more? Like what makes that situation like more dangerous? Well, I think, you know, um, going back to um, control, it's, you know, domestic violence is not about anything but power and control. Mm-hmm. And um if a partner believes that, you know, and this is, this just comes with, you know, uh, partners believing that they control, that they own, um, that that woman is property. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, some of the laws that have now, you know, popped up around to, especially in Missouri, some of these laws that, you know, um, uh, um, ensure that women cannot get abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many of these other states, it's the same thing. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in the state of Missouri, a woman cannot even get divorced if she's pregnant. That's crazy. Okay. And that's a Missouri old- has some interest. Yes. It has some interesting, archaic type of, uh, laws. Absolutely. Yes. And that's one that, you know, has shown itself. So a woman who's pregnant cannot get a divorce. Um, so some women are, feel that they're trapped. Some mm-hmm. feel, men feel that, you know what, I, I have now the power to keep you here because legally you cannot divorce me. Um, so it's, it's many factors that go into that. It's not just one factor. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that partner is the earner that, you know, uh, that earns the living for that family. Um, it could be anything from rage, you know, you can't, it's hard to say what ticks off somebody. Yeah. They're just, you know, it could be anything. It could be they walked in, they had a bad day that day where they were and they come in and take it out on that woman. And what we've seen since COVID is that, you know, the numbers of women that we actually interface with mm-hmm. has risen because they are trapped in households with abusive people. Mm-hmm. So um our numbers uh we saw that during covid increase and I think you're going to see this yes um with the this uh, the the Roe v Wade overturn being overturned um to see that also that dynamic uh, occurring as well 
So economics, as you mentioned, they're like a, a big part of it. So, and we know it varies like IPV, it can happen to of all, you know, racial backgrounds, those mm-hmm. socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, it's not only a matter of money. There are other situations. But if we think of like other cultural type of issues, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a religious background yes. Yes. that sometimes keep people in a relationship. Can you speak to some of like what you may have seen or experienced in your work with that? I think, you know, you, you know, it's, it's a span and it can span everything from, well, my parents were never divorced. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to be the first one for divorce. Um, Religious efforts around, you know, keeping the family together. Um, uh, But I don't remember anywhere in scripture where it says, you know, stay in a relationship and get the help out of you. I don't remember. Or killed, unfortunately. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, you know, there are a lot of, I think, um, when you talk about reasons people stay, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it's really, um, that I think it's a, it's a personal reason that a woman Mm -hmm. would stay in a relationship. It's not like she wants to stay, but sometimes she might feel that she has no other alternative. Yes. And that's why being able to reach out to like our crisis line mm-hmm. to, to set, to have a conversation about this, um, you know, being able to be in a safe space and call and, and COVID did not allow that. If you remember, some of these people were in very close quarters. So being able to make a phone call was dangerous for that woman because she didn't have some place to go um to make that that call or that abuser was never leaving the house because maybe they work remotely you know so i think there are other factors that um when you talk about people and why they don't leave or why they stay i don't judge that because um depending on um their belief system you just have to in in a way yeah. be able to work with them and talk to them to be able to convince them that it's in their best interest yes. and their children's best interest for them to leave. And and you mentioned something. Thank you for saying that. It's not that they want to stay because unfortunately, you know, we have a society of blame the victim. Well, right. they want that to happen. If they didn't want to be there, they right. wouldn't be there. And you know, there's so many factors, as you say, that lead into relationships. Like it's not always abusive in the beginning. Things may change. And depending on the trajectory where the relationship is, sometimes that, that may impact it. And as you talked about core beliefs, even if it's not religious, yes, I've worked with clients and patients where it's like, yeah, it's not acceptable, like within my family to be divorced. So regardless of what's happening, is this going to bring shame to my family? Is there going to be stigma if we divorce or if we separate or people think about the children? Right. You know, did they come up in a home that was a single parent home? And for them, it's like very important for them to be to be there. So there's so many levels as, as you mentioned there. There's so many, there, it's, it's just like you say, it's bias. It's what your core beliefs are. It's mm-hmm. what you think societal beliefs are. Um, and I, you know, my thinking is, you know, children know when there's abuse going on in the household. Um, they, you know, they know when there is, when there are problems, uh, going mm-hmm. on in that, ho- in that household. Um, and, Sometimes it's better to be single and live on your own and figure it out uh, because you're safe and you have peace and your children are, are safe and have peace as well. But you have to get to that that point where I'm not I certainly don't want to um, demean any woman to say that you're crazy for saying this, for staying in a situation like this. Everybody has to get to that point where they accept I need to leave. Um, and, um, you know, and hopefully it's not at the detriment of that woman's life Mm -hmm. or their, or their children's lives. Yes. And this is where I'm a proponent of therapy, of course, you know, I'm biased only because I think there's a different expectation from family. And yeah. there, the level of patience isn't always there because family loves you, cares about you, not that a professional won't, but they'll be that boundary that they know they can't force or make someone do right. it. And sometimes the pressure that comes from family can mm-hmm. impact the decision making of someone leaving. And if 
even though they need to be go to leave the relationship, if they haven't done all the planning, that can be dangerous. So I definitely encourage listeners. And I understand psychotherapy sometimes there's so much control in the home. It might be difficult right. to do that. One thing that the pandemic has improved is telehealth. Like not that telehealth didn't exist before, but now it's not leaving the home. So it may be possible to receive services with staying home and not leaving if movement is being tracked. So, but again, it goes back to if the abuser is also in that home, it makes it even difficult, even with virtual services for them to access those services. So, you know, I, you know, I'm like you, if you can access the service, please do that. Yes. Um, and right. And, you know, sometimes when you talk about family, sometimes family can get so frustrated with the situation, especially family that know that says you need to be gone, but you're not gone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that doesn't help that woman for someone to get frustrated and throw their hands up and go, well, you just choose to be in this yes. situation. Um, they need help. Women yes. need help. They need um, not just a resource to leave. They need the mental support mm-hmm. so yes. that they're able to mentally disengage from that person um, and be able to, you know, um, leave that relationship without thinking, I need this person in my life yes. to move forward. And that is a, that's a, it's not something where Family, I should say, I'm just giving up with you. I'm, you know, you do what you do. That's where a mental health professional comes in to support that woman. Definitely. And, you know, not being judgmental because a yeah. lot of that comes in. And with any kind of trauma, not just IPV, but any kind of abuse yeah. or trauma, there are levels of shame, yeah. there's level of embarrassment. And that's like such a heavy weight that sometimes it makes it difficult for people to reach out. So really just being caring, being kind compassionate, supportive in, in those kind of ways is, is what's helpful. And I think what you said previously is this shows itself up. Domestic violence, sexual assault shows itself up across all demographics. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a poor woman or a pro mm-hmm. poor This can be someone who is very well educated, mm-hmm. can be, you know, uh, a high in a high earning uh, uh, situation but still it goes back to the core beliefs and things like that. So it's not just because you're not well educated or yeah. you understand that you need to, you know, leave. This happens across uh, uh, all demographics. Yes. And thank you for dispelling that myth. So it's not a certain type of woman right. that this happens to, that it can happen to um, anyone. So right. keeping that, keeping that in mind, because again, in terms of bias, feeling like this is only happening within certain areas or within certain communities. But, you know, a big part of what we do talk about on this show is particularly working with, you know, the Black community. And unfortunately, sometimes if there's disproportionate resources or working with those in the lower SES, that, that is more so just a resource issue. Like there may be less resources. So in terms of getting things done, it's not that it can't, but more support will be needed in terms of the resources. Mm-hmm. So as as you mentioned before, the pandemic, it disrupted daily living routines for many mm-hmm. people. You know, kids are homeschooling. Spouses were spending more time together. You know, folks were getting irritated, agitated, yes. all the aids that you can think about mm-hmm. and parenting difficulties. So I can only imagine, like, in terms of the increase with intimate partner violence, what happened there? Can you speak to that a little bit just in terms of what you saw within your, your work with the pandemic? Well, I think just what we talked about, you know, when you have two people in an environment that are, and you throw kids into that environment where nobody is leaving the house um, because everybody is locked down because of this, this pandemic. I mean, that's what, it's a global um, a, a medical issue, right? Um, and that changed how we work, that changed how we, you know, interacted with the outside world. So instead of having for women who might have had an escape because the partner worked outside of the home. Yes. Now that's gone gone for that woman, you know, so there is even a higher propensity for that, that violence to escalate. 
and anything uh, going back to the triggers are, you know, the triggers. But when you force people into situations together, that is just magnified the triggers, you know, and it could be, you know, uh, anything. It could be that man is at yes. home you know, with, with a woman and, and the kids and his escape was, I can get out and go work and whatever. Now I've got kids, you know, running around here. I'm trying to hold meetings and, you know, I think anything like that where, you know, women, we are, I, you know, even during the pandemic, it was interesting because, you know, we're all hosting Zoom meetings and especially mm-hmm. a working woman yeah. um, and working women, especially with small children were doing work. They were keeping kids. I know, <laughs> preach. I, I I was there. I was like the principal, the 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 exactly. aide, the friend at lunch, the custodian, the everything. everything. And you it's a everything. lot. It's a lot. Yes. And you're trying to keep your household going. I was mm-hmm. on a national speaking um um engagement. And it was three other women on this. And it was a young woman on here. Um so this is on Zoom, but it's on a platform that has, you know, hundreds of people on it. And her young child ran into the, to the light of the, 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 uh, light of the camera. Yeah. And she was just mortified and just so embarrassed because she had this young child, you know, screaming, I want mommy, I need this, blah, blah, blah. And I could just see it in her face. And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? It's okay. Yeah. This is how, this is life today. Go take care of your kid. This is just yeah. how life is today. Um, so, you know, having that grace to be able Definitely. to say, you know what? It's, this is not a problem. But when you don't have what, you know, when you have a partner that doesn't understand how to support or even care about supporting because this partner is in a whole different, you're, mm-hmm. you're dealing with a partner that's abusive anyway. Yes. So now you, you're having, you're layering on the triggers that they already had now with this huge um event that's yes. that's impacting the entire family mm-hmm. and even making this this partner even more you know yes. escalating out of control and we we've talked about all, all great great information as you talked about stress there we've mentioned on other shows like acute stress chronic stress post traumatic stress mm-hmm. so when people have great adaptive coping wonderful if it's adaptive but the maladaptive coping is the problem so we also saw with the pandemic an increase in alcohol yes. use for medicating and substances so now when you're home you can't get away and people are you abusing substances more that as you said it just topples Right. You're just in a spiraling. It's just a a downward spiraling uh, episode. And, you know, um, it's hard for because it's all about, again, when we talk about domestic violence, um, that's a power situation. Mm -hmm. So even if that woman is trying to deescalate that, it's not seen as positive. Uh, when they're dealing with that partner. In fact, it might be seen as opposite. Might like they're trying to now usurp the power mm-hmm. of that partner. So, um, you know, the, you know, women and most people in these situations try to deescalate. They try mm-hmm. to not have that par- partner really lose control. So they are taking the brunt of a lot of the abuse, trying to keep it, especially women, off of their children. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, and then trying to keep it minimized to the amount of harm that's going to come to them, which is unfortunate because they're acting as, you know, you know, as a therapist <laughs> to mm-hmm. a person that is not willing to have to be, yeah. um, uh, to even think through that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what you're starting to allude to there is, you know, we have two call in questions right now. And I think, you know, both of them are are interesting, but I'll start with this um, listener's question. What are some subtle and overt signs of abuse that we can, that can help people identify early in a person's character, which can be useful in preventing like personal and or emotional investments, thus making easier and safely walking away. So it seems like 
warning signs, like kind of that red flag, like what are some red flags? And we know it's not an all or none, but right. what are some red flags? And I am not a therapist, so I'm not going to sit here and give you all these warning signs, okay? But I mean, from what I've read, um, you know, narcissistic personalities are, you know, ripe for um, folks to uh, be demeaning, um, to um, be, you know, um, to lend itself to not being, um, what's the word I want to say? Uh, lends itself to not being a mm-hmm. partner um, that's supportive, but could be a partner that is more, could be violent. But I mean, mm-hmm. that could start off subtly. It could start off very, uh, you know, from, you know, um, emotional type of, uh, abuse, you know, um, people can withdraw from people because they don't, they, they're using that withdrawal as a tool to make you do what they want you to do. Um, it could be anything from verbal abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't go, it doesn't jump Right. right to violence. Um, so it can be different things that you see in that person and how they, treat and respect you as not just a woman, but as a person, Mm -hmm. um, listening to you, um, or, you know, um, demeaning things that you say, um, or you dismissing being Mm -hmm. very dismissive, uh, with you. So, uh, like I said, it doesn't normally jump to, I'm just going to start, you know, beating you, (laughs) but yeah, there are, there are things along the way that I think, you know, Mm -hmm warrants discussion you know you don't put it off to say well he didn't mean it or i i don't think he meant that i mean that is when you sit down with your partner to say yeah we we need to discuss this and you can tell i think from that particular um interaction is that person willing to work on themselves do they hear you Mm -hmm. listening to you um and if you need help in couples therapy that's that is not something to be ashamed to go in and consider because sometimes you need that outside voice that can listen to both partners and understand Mm -hmm. where some of the issues are. So, um, you know, I think, you know, if, if you have somebody that is willing to go that mile, you know, you can, everybody's not abusive, you know, sometimes folks are just, you know, this is how they grew up. Everybody's family dynamics are different. Mm -hmm. We're all very different. Even two people in the same family are very different. Yeah. So it's just being able to understand how, how you can communicate. Um, and if that communication is not working then, and it escalates to something, Mm -hmm. you know, different, um, cause it doesn't have to, like I said, it doesn't have to go to him hitting you first. It could go to being an emotional, Mm-hmm. Um, impact. And that's, yes. that's also just as bad as being hit. Yes, it is. And you made great points. So I do a lot of work with, with trauma. So intimate partner violence, childhood abuse survivors. I've also worked with, um, sex offenders. So mm-hmm. my preference is I work with survivors now, but I think my work with, uh, sexual sex offenders was helpful mm-hmm. in conceptualizing and understanding. Mm-hmm. So that's a totally di- different spectrum. But part of what we have to realize is like domestic violence is on that spectrum, like you said, of different behaviors. As mm-hmm. you said, it could be verbal, it could be emotional, it could be physical, it could be sexual. And even sexual violence, again, is is a form of control. But sex is the weapon. It's more, again, about control. Mm-hmm. So that's the big part of like, you know, for those who are like, what are some things? Control. So while we all like to have our way, we all have some level of flexibility, right? That right. we can, we, we, we can, we can compromise. But when we are seeing that, you know, people don't honor boundaries, like if you're setting limits, you're saying mm-hmm. no to things, but there's a type of response that is very intense and it may not be physical initially, as right. you said, it may be emotional. Is it, you know, trying to have control and moving people away from family and friends? 
isolation. Sometimes yeah. that, that, that happens first before mm-hmm. it graduates to, to physical, um, type of behaviors. Because now when there aren't people around to know and see what's going mm-hmm. on, that's mm-hmm. when it starts to graduate possibly like from financial control, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and then graduating to like mm-hmm. physical abuse. Um, definitely criticism, not only, Absolutely. you know, name calling, um, but just make demeaning a person. Like if you're yeah. feeling demeaned constantly, those are signs, um, early on. Of course, if they have a history of abusing others, but that may not always be information mm-hmm. that you have. Taking, taking money, oh, your okay. ability to not have mm-hmm. any financial control definitely is a mm-hmm. sign. So it may be years that you're with someone, there's financial control and nothing happens beyond that, but it is still a level of con- Absolutely. control. Absolutely. And I think for, um, for any woman, as I always say, you know, um, or any person, when you move out of your parents' house, you should learn how to live on your own before Mm -hmm. you go and live in somebody Somebody else's else's house. Because you learn how to take care of yourself. You learn how to manage your affairs. You understand, you understand how to, um, you know, Simple things, have a checking account, mm-hmm. um, you know, get an apartment. Life skills. Life skills that you need to have so that, you know, you don't feel that I don't know how to do any of this stuff. No, you can, you can do this, you know, um, but it's having the support, um, to do it. And as I tell people all the time, if somebody does not make you feel good about yourself, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. Um, and, and that's what you need to, to look at and to address. Mm-hmm. Another, definitely. So I love the life skills piece because again, it's being on your own. And as you mentioned earlier on, for those women who feel like, okay, how am I going to make it on my own? That may be staying in an abusive relationship a little longer than needed. Um, Another telltale sign and red flag is taking no responsibility for for one's behavior. (laughs) So when you see that, right, it's never... Not it's my never, fault. You it's never their do. fault. You right. made me do it, right? So again, blaming and minimizing their own behaviors by projecting onto other people. So that's a, a big one. When you see, like, well, wait a minute. I mean, right? It's or always, make you feel like you're crazy. Exa- yeah. <laughs> when you start thinking, like, oh, and we hear gaslighting, you know, the term right. term a lot. I, I, you have to see the original movie, uh, um, for that in terms of the black and white is is so good in terms of, of gaslighting. But yeah, when you're left thinking like wait a minute is it (laughs) right what's going on this isn't making sense but again after being under that consistently then being isolated from friends and family people who can support you it does start to impact the psyche and then it becomes more ingrained and difficult to leave so that is a wonderful question that the listeners send Mm -hmm. in just looking early on so basically healthy relationships yes so we talked about all the things that are red flags but what do we want to look for in healthy relationships mutual respect yes kindness compassion is they're willing to compromise is they're taking responsibility for for behavior so sometimes we talk so much about what not to look for that we Mm -hmm. forget and that's a part of a lot of clients that I work with you know what is the expectation yes in a relationship being an adult and being able to have communicate people I know people say this term a lot oh you have to be able to communicate a lot of people don't do it you Mm know um you know it's like I can communicate with you if it's good stuff, but how do you can make communicate with that person when it's a difficult conversation? That's that sets anybody apart because yes. I don't care what two people are together, you're going to have challenging um opportunities together. So you need to learn how to work through that. And that a lot mm-hmm. of that is through how do you communicate with folks? Are you throwing things? Are you sitting mm-hmm. down to say, like, are, are you, and are you taking responsibility for things that y- you do as that person? Um, are you taking responsibility for being in the relationship and not just saying it's your fault? Um, how does all of that work? Um, and because it is key. It is mm-hmm. key to be able to, um, to, to, like you said, not only talk to people, how do you work with people? How are you my mm-hmm. partner? And yes. solving this. It's about solving an issue. Um, 
And how does that work for both of us? So that it's a win-win for both and not just one person. It's one-sided. Yeah. And partnership, that alone helps you to conceptualize in that we're in this together. We're working together. But that comes back again to that framework about how people were raised. As you mentioned, communication. Mm -hmm. I work with some folks like avoidance was how communication happened in in their family. So for decades, things may have happened and no one talked about it. Right. So then now when they're in a relationship, they may repeat that pattern and then it becomes problematic. Some people are more explosive or volatile, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned. And Mm -hmm. those are like two extremes, right? Avoidance Mm -hmm. versus like explosive. So it's trying to find that medium. Mm -hmm. Like what is that, that middle ground? And sometimes it's interesting when you say that, because sometimes that, that's draw, that can be the draw with two people together. Mm-hmm. You got somebody who explodes, you don't want two people exploding. So right. <laughs> somebody who might be, well, I'm not going to, you know, confront this person on this. This is, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat or I don't want to do this. Um, and it, and it, it goes into this vicious cycle of if you're not confronting or it's not confronting in a negative way, it's confronting the issue to talk mm-hmm. to someone about what is the issue that's going on here. And you'll know early, you know, in a relationship, because was it Maya Angelou said, when people show you, you who they, they are, are believe, believe it. <laughs> yes, but it's, it's that gradual and it's also trusting our instinct and for yes. different reasons, I work with individuals who maybe something, other traumas have happened early in life and maybe they doubt themselves. So that becomes a challenge. So if they're, if it's doubting, they're the biggest, in addition to life skills is building your confidence, building your self-esteem and and self-worth prior to like entering relationships. So when you're in the relationship, you have a good foundation for yourself. And I think you said something, Keisha, when it's like, look at the clues around you. Mm-hmm. I always say this, you know, if you're dating someone or going out with someone, and I always look at how do you treat wait staff? Because if you treat a waiter or a waitress very poorly or very arrogantly or whatever, mm-hmm. that gives you some insight into that person mm-hmm. and how they, how they, how they yes. at people. You know, excellent point and not ignoring it because sometimes people yes. will justify a rationale. Oh, but that's not me. Right. That's they're how they treat me. They're right. not treating me that way. That's right. how they're treating them. But no, you got to think right. about it. At some point, as you said, it's, it's going to come. Mm-hmm. It's going to come around. And that's when you are, you know, I think sometimes many women jump into relationships because there's, you know, I, I don't, you know, you're happy to be with somebody, mm-hmm. but um understand what you're jumping into. If they've been married two or three times, you know, one time could be a, yeah, you know, it didn't work out. Two times it could be, well, what's going on here? But three times there's, there's something there. You need to find out what, what is going on. You know, everybody's not crazy. <laughs> I don't like that person married. Okay. Doing um, the research, taking the time to get to know. But I, but I think with this virtual about. explosion, it's different. And I think that's something to keep in mind too. Like, and it's nothing against, I'm not knocking virtual yeah. dating, matchmaking, anything, but I think there's also the challenge that we've also had a rise in terms of like, there's a level of narcissism that people have virtually that they don't have when in person. So the old school meeting people in person, like there can be more exaggeration in terms of the virtual world, more minimizing Mm -hmm. of things. And understandably, everyone tries to put the best foot forward in terms of meeting someone. But the virtual world, it's it's an opportunity where more can be hidden. So particularly Mm -hmm. in that realm, being aware of like, as you said, collecting the data, getting to know someone, collecting information. Mm-hmm. And, and virtual dating, I mean, it's been around, but I think like you, you have to get out of behind the camera and actually interact with that person mm-hmm. and see how they interact in different situations, you know, um, uh, cause it's all about, yeah, you can be whoever you want to be from a virtual standpoint. Yes, you, you can create that persona. But when you start seeing people in their, in in a natural state and and again it's how people talk to other people 
How do they interact with other people? Are they, you know, is it all about appearance? Because there's sometimes, you know, uh, people, they want the world to see them as one thing, but behind mm-hmm. closed doors, they're actually yes. insane, you know? So, yeah. you know, so looking I, for that underbelly. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, virtual dating, I mean, it complicates dating, but um, making sure that you have that face-to-face interaction, I think, is is critical because it all goes back to you can't hide too much about your personality once you are yes. engaging people because you can start to see, you know, yes. what's going on. And I say that all the time as a psychologist because I work with many mm-hmm. patients who have experienced trauma, not only intimate partner violence, but trust becomes an issue. Like how uh, do I trust someone and understandably, but this is where I say as a psychologist, no one can fool us forever. I mean, as long as we are consistently in a person's space, those character flaws will begin to emerge Mm -hmm. because character is like, it's our personality is a solid structure. It's similar to our intellect and our cognition. So unless like we have a traumatic brain injury, something Mm -hmm. significant happens to us, a disease, something like dementia, for the most part, we maintain our cognitive functioning Mm -hmm. with a typical type of decline that happens with later age. Mm-hmm. Personality is similar. Mm-hmm. We don't just change who we are. If that was the case, we'd have no need for therapy and all of these other ways right. to bring about change. So once we are in that person's space consistently, mm-hmm. we will see who who they are. My absolute. <laughs> and, and believe them. So we don't make excuses for what they showed you. You better believe that's who they are. And for those who question, as I said, follow your instinct. If something, I don't know if like the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. It's like, I don't know. Something in me just isn't set and listen to it. I think research shows. Yes. Mm -hmm. And women, it's almost like you have that, that into in that intuition, um, and I think the gut check is absolutely, mm-hmm. if your gut is telling you, uh, I, I remember this, um, this, uh, TV show was like danger, danger warning, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's danger. Like, right. <laughs> you gotta at least take a step back to understand what, yeah. what am, what am I supposed to be looking at? Um, so it's, it's taking your time, I think, even in relationships, you know, um, and taking your time getting involved in relationships and when they start to not be, um, a relationship that's supporting you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, lifting you up, uh, yeah. being loving to you, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's, that's when it, you need to evaluate. Is this something that I want to stay in? And especially if you have children, do you want your children around that behavior? So they yeah. start to mimic that because women, you are setting an example for your daughters and your sons. Yes. For your daughters, you're telling them this is, this is acceptable for mm-hmm. me to be treated and disrespected. Mm-hmm. And for, and for your sons, you're telling them it's okay to yes. disrespect and not treat women well yes and and what you you're modeling yes and what you said there is so important because it used to be the way we conceptualize domestic violence is that you know it was only happening to the to the mother the parent the -hmm. child wasn't being harmed and then so much research now has shown and proven the impact that it has one not being in a safe environment Seeing one parent harming another parent psychologically, emotionally, there is an, in fact, there's, there's a chance of mimicking behaviors depending on the age of the child, you know, repeating what they see. And then unfortunately, sometimes there's also that graduation that it moved from IPV with the parent to physical violence Mm -hmm. now towards the child. So we do Mm -hmm. understand that there is an impact there. So not only for the woman, but for the children, for the entire family unit. So a lot of the work you do is with women and children. Can you speak with us to that part about, you know, the work you do and how women, not only women are helped, but children, families? Absolutely. So in our um, programs, um, and since we're just specifically talking about domestic violence, sexual assault, um, that's why we have therapists that are uh, on site um, that um, 
if a woman needs to flee, we have a drop-in center that they can bring their kids here. And um, there are therapists here that are able to work with not only the the, the mom, but also the children. Because you're absolutely right. These kids are being impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kids sometimes don't show everything. Um, but they show it in different ways. They they might not verbalize it, I should say, but they can show it in different ways, you know. Um, so it's making sure that, you know, it's it's being in a safe environment. Everyone mm-hmm. just wants to be safe. Um, and that child wants to be safe, you know, and and that child wants that parent yes. that's being abused to be safe. So yeah. And that, and, and also children become at risk as you talk about that too, because when children get older, sometimes yeah. it's them wanting to intercede to try to stop things yes. and they can be harmed by, by accident. And even if something physical doesn't happen, it's mm-hmm. the psychological and emotional impact. I, and intergenerational cycles. So this, this yes. is the other part of yes. it, breaking those cycles. I've worked with so many women that taught, that said, I always said that would never be me. Yes. Because right. I grew up seeing that. And unfortunately, the coin only has two sides, right? There's the side of where those go the total opposite direction right. because of the Im- impact. They see the warning sign, the red flags, and they're like, danger, get out of there. And then unfortunately, there are those who, because whatever stage of development they were at, that they internalize that. Yes. Now that becomes what they are drawn to mm-hmm. and they these there's this recapitulation in terms of that you know that's what some <laughs> exactly think that well well he loves me because he hits me or he loves me because you know he he's taking care of me but there are things that go along with that as well is that really being taken care of you know yeah. in the way that's healthy uh, and showing your again showing your kids you're showing your kids how how not only violence but how not to solve problems yes they're saying two adults not learn and they're learning how not to communicate they're learning how not to be able to solve problems so it goes back like you said it's generational it's the generational curse that you need to break definitely and and it takes takes work and but in the programs that you have you know, it's like teaching someone to fish, right? They're going to continue to be able to provide for themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, in these situations, people don't need pity or right. sympathy or feeling very sorry for them. But as you said, it's it's having like, what are the tools? So that leads me to, to my next question that we have from a, a, a listener. Why is it so hard to get a handle on DB slash IPB? And why is it more being done from a societal standpoint to make sure we find a resolution? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> that's a heavy question. We can't talk for all society, but in the in terms of in the terms of the work that you do, what do you see and understand as contributing to like that societal piece? Wow. I think, you know, it goes back again to when you have um uh this is a patriarchal society. Let's be real. You know, the US is very patriarchal. Um uh, so a lot of these laws were, were put into place to benefit, to benefit men, you know, mm-hmm. early, early on. Now you have, you know, protective laws in place and things like that, um, to, to, um, to support women and to get women, you know, to prosecute men who mm-hmm. are violent, um, yes. and getting them out of the, out of the home. So, um, it, it it is a societal problem, but going back to I think um, women not being um, uh, able to step out and say, "Hey, this is a problem that that my family is involved in," because it goes back to what you said, shame. It goes back to, do I want to reveal this to the world? Do I want you know everybody, my coworkers, or everybody to know? You know, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, um, if we didn't have the support structures in place, I wonder where people would be because, um, it's, it's through our organization, like our organization, we are a social yeah. service agency, mm-hmm. you know, that this is the work that we do. And we've been in this community over 118 years yes. advocating for women. 
So um, these services, even though, you know, sexual assault, domestic violence has been around Mm. since the world probably yes started <laughs> you know time immemorial yes. exactly it's how are we going to yes. support the women and when they come into our purview you know we're meeting them at the hospital again we're walking them not just through the judicial system so that um, we can support them through the prosecution phase of this but we're we're supporting them and their and their children and their families with if they need housing, mm-hmm. we're going to put you in housing. And what we will do is in a year's time, we pay for that housing. But what, at the same time, we're getting that woman economically sustainable. Mm-hmm. So we're putting yes. that her in financial literacy classes. Mm-hmm. We have a whole um, workforce development arm for our agency. Wonderful. So that we are um, aligning them into the resources in our region where there are growth industries and putting them not just in a job, mm-hmm. but in a career path in yes. a growth industry. So it's, as I tell people all the time, when you talk about our mission is empowering women and eliminating racism, the mm-hmm. way to do that is through eliminating, is decreasing and eliminating the wealth gap because yes. that's a big, mm-hmm. big impact on women. And we do that through workforce development and or entrepreneurship. If you want to start your own business, um, we can help you do that. If you need to get into workforce and we are, like I said, working on just not just the growing industries, but in the trades mm-hmm. because the trades are looking for women to go into. And these are high paying, yes. great jobs. So in that year's time, that woman is getting supported you know, she needs food, if she needs transportation, mm-hmm. educational opportunities, all of those things bear well because you got to break down the barriers for them to be successful if you're trying to put them through school. And that's what some programs, they, they put you through workforce, but you got to have the support structure uh, in place as well. Because if I don't have a way to get yeah. to school, then that's meaningless. If I don't have childcare, which we have one of mm-hmm. the largest, one of the largest child care providers in the state of Missouri. We can yeah. do that. We can put your child in child care. Mm-hmm. Those wraparound type of services. Wraparound services. And that's mm-hmm. what's key. And, and um, uh, making sure those resources are there to support that woman as she journeys out of that nightmare into her own new, um, mm-hmm. as I call it, your new area of sunshine. Well, you, you started answering one of the, the questions, but I'll just repeat it because the answer was within what you, what you said was, you know, talking with the intersection of race, ethnicity and gender. Like, mm-hmm. what do you see in terms of structurally some of those challenges? And you, and you started to talk about it just in terms of like the, the gap mm-hmm. in terms of pay. That's a, a big part of it. Are there other structural and institutional pieces that you see in terms of intersection of like race, mm-hmm. gender, and SES? Well, I think the pay inequality is huge mm-hmm. because uh, if you are in poverty um, mm-hmm. and if you don't have a way to um, to get out of poverty, you're not, you know, there's it's very difficult for that woman to become sustainable. Yes. Say it again, please. Cause there's some people say, Oh, people can want to be poor. Who wants to be? I don't know. Who wants, who to, wants be to be poor? poor? I have not, I have not found that person yet, but we hear those things because again, ignorantly in our society, there's this blaming the victim, blaming people who right. are in positions when there are structures in place that maintain this type of oppression. Right. Institutional racism is one of them. It's like when you have, you know, red line and with housing, Mm -hmm. if you have, you know, the opportunity where um, you can't live in a certain area that gives you the resources to support you becoming sustainable um, or or having the ability to to go and find a good job because you don't have the, the skills to do that. All of this, you know, these are all the things that we try and do for our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's on the client as well to have responsibility too. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just, okay, here you go. Um, you have responsibility. Uh, like I said, we are, our, um, 
what we focus on is we're going to put you in housing for the, for that year. Mm-hmm. But in that year's time, you get access to all of these resources. And the intent is within that um, year, we're going to be able to turn that lease over to you so that yes. you are able to then become economically, you know, sustainable. Yes. Um, it's not like you live in, you know, our housing and, and you know, perpetually. Yeah. But it's all about moving people into a place where they're able to take yes. care of themselves. I, ha- I hand up and I mean setting people up for success exactly. because the institutional issues, you know, so like even when you think about, you always hear the glass ceiling. I was reading mm-hmm. the other day about the cement ceiling, like <laughs> for black women, for women of color. So yeah, you can break the glass, but right. what about when it's so tough? It's like you need... What do you need to break that? So that's what's being realistic is looking at the tools. Like what are the culturally sensitive that are approaches that are needed to like reduce bias? And I think mental health, um, having mental health resources Mm -hmm. uh, is also key because people diminish that as, oh, it's a weakness or, you know, you're weak if you need that. No, um, you know, a lot of times you, you know, hell, I meditate because I'm like, I need to center myself. Yes. You know, but it's not a weakness. It's actually a strength able to engage with people mm-hmm. who are objective, um, yeah. that can help you put some of these pieces together without, like you said, judgment. Yes. And thank you for that reminder. This is what we try to come across with each show. The purpose of this is to decrease stigma, particular related to mental health within the Black community, because there is so much stigma that, you know, there was one study that showed that 63% of Black people saw therapy or mental health issues as a form of a weakness. And part of what we discussed here is that Therapy isn't only for like when the bottom drops out, where things are so terrible. No, it's just to have a space where you can reflect on yourself. You can work on, okay, what can I do to live my best life? Is it learning additional skills, as you said, meditating? So it's just so important that we recognize that it's it's not there only then. So even like what we talked about, start early and it may prevent some. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, I, I love that fact because most people just think it's physical health that's important. It's mental health that's also important as well. Because yes. if you don't have, uh, as I say, sanity. <laughs> yes, you heard it. Dr. Watkins said it. Healthy mind, healthy body. And it's true. You could have an able body. Right. And if your mind is not working the way to help your body, the body will be exactly. stuck. Exactly. So that's, that is why we are the mind and body connection is that we have mm-hmm. to work together. So this has been such like a, a wonderful conversation today. It's definitely not enough time ever <laughs> to, 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 to get everything in. But you know, before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to share in terms of, you know, just support for folks on their journey, particularly like with intimate partner violence and working to get to a healthy and safer space? I think all the things that we talked about today, and I think the last, what we just talked about, mental health is just as important as physical health and Mm -hmm. having peace in your life. Yes. But going home and living in peace is one of the greatest benefits that you can give to yourself and your Mm -hmm. children. As I tell people all the time, stress will kill you faster than a heart attack, than a stroke, anything else. And when you're living in stressful situations, that is shortening your overall lifespan. So you, you need to, you need to think about that. It's, it's all about, um, you know, living in, in this world and going through it in, in peace. Definitely. So I love what you said there. Mental health is health. That, that's health. the bottom, bottom line. So the more we are mentally health and well, emotionally, we will be managing stress. Hopefully it's acute, not chronic and, and it's manageable for us. So. Right. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Cheryl Watkins, for being a guest with us today on New Horizon, the Mind and Body Connection. If folks want to reach out to you or or get more information about the YWCA Metro St. Louis, how how can they they reach out? And it doesn't have to be to you specifically, but just in terms of getting information. Because I know after folks on the show, it's like, okay, people may may want something specific and there's a better place for that. So whatever is the best place. Well, first, let me say, here's our crisis line Mm -hmm. so that if you're listening and you need support, please don't hesitate to call our line, which is 314-531-7273. And we are in the St. Louis um, region. So we, um, we focus on women that are in St. Louis City as well as the surrounding counties. Um, if you need to reach the YWCA office, we are 314-531-1115. And I appreciate this time, Keisha. This has been really wonderful chatting about a very important topic. Yes. And how important we, topic. Yes, yes. And how we can support. Thank you. Uh, support women and support people going through this tragedy. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and for all that you're doing for us here in the St. Louis area at the YWCA Metro St. Louis. We thank you for your expertise. Thank you to our listeners, the questions, to everyone, and for all of your support. And remember, healthy mind and healthy body is the key to longevity. Thank you so much. Thank you.